topic of this show, which is what's the deal with penises and vaginas. My friend that will be joining me today is Tashmika Torak. Tashmika is a survivor activist working to end child sexual abuse. As the founding co-director of the Firecracker Foundation, she incites riots of generosity and advocates for the healing of children and families. Tashmika, in her own words, is a storyteller, kitchen witch, mother of three, and a wife to a talented tile installer. Thank you for joining me today. I I feel like I have a foot in both worlds, uh, both in the actual practice of healing um, and also in the theories of change in the greater context of how we end sexual violence within our communities. Yeah. And the intersectionality between that and what we will be talking today, uh, what we'll be talking about today, which is the targeting that is happening with our trans kids, which is one of our most vulnerable um, and marginalized populations. And so not only are they already having, they already have certain statistics um, as a demographic, uh, suicide, high suicide rate, low um, uh, life expectancy, um, high uh, chances, uh, very high percentages of sexual assault, um, very high percentages of physical assault. Um, This is a demographic that has some of the highest percentages of all of these across the board. Um, Our trans women of color have a life expectancy, I think at this point of 30 years. And so there is a lot of intersectionality between what you do as um, a an advocate for sexual abuse survivors um, and a restorative healing um, between that and um, our our trans kids. Absolutely, I think that if we I, I think if we can agree that all children deserve to be safe. Um, and we center those who are the least safe right now, then it only helps us create more safety in our community. And, um, you know, it's, it's like that graphic they have of, you know, how having an accessible building makes it more accessible for everyone. And having a community that's safe for trans kids makes it more safe for all kids. Because ultimately, if we don't protect some kids and we are only creating more space for perpetrators um, and people who do harm to continue the violence and continue the trauma that they're enacting on our community. Yes. I absolutely agree. And which again is to reiterate and is why this is um, what's the deal with penises and vaginas because Again, when you talk, I had a conversation um, and we will we will get But I had a conversation with I have my daughter goes to an after school program and I had a conversation with the director because my daughter has been saying that on Tuesdays or Wednesdays, I guess they call the boys out um, and they go to the gym and they work out and they talk about this or and she said well I want to go and I couldn't see any reason why she couldn't go and then when I called I said okay well what is the group for I'm not just gonna bust in there what is the group for and she um, the late the, the, the lady I talked to said that it was a group of uh, uh, gentlemen who were 
helping boys, grabbing boys who may not have a father figure in the home and teaching them things like respect and manners and helping them work out. And all of these things are great things. But my immediate thought was, if there are boys in this area that don't have father figures in the home, then there are girls in the area that don't have father figures in the home. And since parenting isn't a gendered specific thing, we don't only, if we if we have a penis, we don't only parent the children with penises. We also parent the children who have vaginas or the children who have both, because believe it or not, that happens. People act like it doesn't. Um, but um, so it, it, in so the ridiculous, so when I talked to her, that's what I told her. I said, so basically and she said well we have something for girls too um they have poetry on friday and i didn't know that so i said wait a minute so you're telling me that you don't like boys aren't allowed to go to the poetry class and she was like well no because we were it was something that was set aside for girls because the boys had this i said i thought we already learned in this country that separate and equal never works like, I thought that was something we already went through that whole thing, that that's separate but equal. So you're telling me that because like if it's because somebody has a penis, they're not they can't like poetry and because somebody has a vagina, they can't work out or they can't learn manners or they can't learn. Like, and so I, I had to and I said and I, I said it several times and I said, well, if the reason I keep saying penises and vaginas is because I feel like if you hear this out loud, then you will see how ridiculous this actually is in reality. And um, so we're still waiting to hear back because I gave her a couple. I said, I understand that you have some people to talk to, so I'll let you do that. But it's not something that's going to go away because until we can break, until we as a society can break up with us obsession with penises and vaginas, we're going to continue to have issues, which bring us to today's topic, which is the targeting um, and anti-trans bills that are running rampant through the country right now. Um, I'm going to let you talk a little bit about what you think about some of the bills. Um, I'm going to run it down for the listeners, some of the bills that are going on. Um, and I'm not even going to, there's no time. I, at first, I was actually going to, I started my notes with a little section where I was going to do a rundown of each bill and 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 kind of, you know, a little overview of what it is um, for my listeners. That being said, there are so many that there was no way that that was a possibility. So instead, I'm going to give you an overview of a snapshot of the country's anti-trans bills, particularly the ones that are focused on trans youth. So we have uh, 33 states in all that have anti-trans bills. 20 of these states focus on youth. There are a total of 37 new bills with Iowa and Tennessee leading the charge with 14 new bills apiece and Arizona coming in third with 12. Um, most of the arguments um, are focused on sports, youth sports, and keeping trans uh, girls out of girls sports and specifically putting in specific wording that the sport that the child um, is a part of must match their biological sex. That is another podcast for another time about that word biological when it comes to trans people. We will get into that. We may get into it this episode, but if not, that will be a, a future episode. So um, there were a lot. There were three states. There are only three states of the 20 
that are banning trans boys and trans men. That uh, those are Texas, Tennessee, and Alabama, and their misguided reason for that is that they don't want to discriminate. Swear that's what they said out loud. Um, so they're banning, but really it is it, it, like Iowa's one of Iowa's brand new bills that just passed the House was specifically said protecting girls' sports in private char private schools, charter schools, public schools, and universities in the state of Iowa. That is the wording for that bill. Um, some of the support and arguments are, of course, fairness in women's sports without actually understanding any of the science behind it. And one Tennessee uh, Republican senator even went so far um, as to say that there was a, a, a girl or woman, actually, because she was playing college, um, that played for Vanderbilt and she was a place kicker. And so his excuse is that even though she was not trans, she was a cisgender woman who played, that many of the guys went out of their way to protect her, which could have led to their injuries. So that is a kind of a, um, an under a root, I guess, is kind of the talking points. Um, by the way, these bills will be, um, I will put them up on my Patreon page um, as attachments so you can look at the bills and the states and the senators that are supporting them. And in all the bills that I looked through, I did not find one Democratic senator. Um, I will let Tashmika speak on that a little bit. That was just a quick rundown in case you are not aware of how many bills and how many states are actually out here. If you may hear of one or two, but there's actually 37 across the country in 20 different states focused on youth. Um, Tashmika, what is a lot, right? But what is, let's just go with, yeah, there's so much. it's crazy, right? There's These... so much to say because yeah, it's wild. There, there's so many places to start that I, that I feel at a loss. I think the first thing I'll say is that I have to acknowledge that, um, the problem is not trans people. And, you know, I think it becomes really easy as someone who is marginalized uh, by the greater majority um, and oppressed by the majority, especially by cis people um, and religious people and these, you know, conservative um, religious people um, to feel like we're talking about a problem of trans people. And it's like, trans people are divine and holy and they deserve to exist, period, point blank. And that's, that's like where I wanna ground this conversation. Um, and when I think about these bills, I think about how they're so, um, when we talk about groundedness, right, or rootedness, they're so rooted in this idea that does not see um, trans women as women. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it won't come down to penises and vaginas, but it also comes down to misogyny and mediocrity um, and the expectation that men will be violent. And therefore, because they don't see trans women as women, they see them as men, which is false. Um, they perceive them as a risk. And here we have laws that are meant to keep girls, um, cis girls, 
um, as they define them, safe from trans girls who, through their mind, are potential perpetrators of harm because they are men. And to me, that is so telling that, and, and I'm imagining this, you know, just because I understand uh, the U.S. government, that most of the people writing these laws are men. So, this white men. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're essentially telling on themselves, right? But like men are not safe. And instead of targeting the people causing the most violence, which would be cis white men, um, they are choosing to pretend like the problem is trans girls who may or may not share a locker room with cis girls. Right. It's the same distractions that, that white folks cause when they say that they're oppressed, right? They, they focus their energy on proving that they are oppressed or they are a target for violence when they are absolutely, you know, are the majority, they are not. Um, but it's a way for them to release their responsibility for changing what they actually have control over, um, which is their own behavior. So that's the first thing that I think of is like, who is actually in danger here? And from to my reading, there has never been a situation where this has actually created a problem. Not one of these legislators has been able to point to an actual problem that uh, inspiring the creation of these bills, which is also a little, uh, you know, that's anybody who has watched um, American politics, it usually has to be a thing. It doesn't mean that the law is going to get passed or it's going to actually create any form of uh, real tangible change, but usually there has to be a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, an act of violence, um, an act of discrimination that, you know, a fight for a long time before we even get some type of systemic uh, governmental policy change. And yeah. in this situation, that's not the case. You know, that's not the case at all. This is just people who are attacking children in order to deny really their own problems in my mind. Children and families. Now, here now I wanted to say this because Texas has a is is has taken this to a whole further step. So if anybody doesn't know, and this is to my listeners out there, if you do not know that the what's going on in Texas with the um, anti trans legislation, um, the attorney general uh, Kenneth Pack, isn't his name Kenneth? I, his last name is Paxton. I believe his name, first name is Kenneth, but uh, Ken Paxton. His last name is Paxton, and he is the AG for the state of Texas. And what he decided, out of his own very ignorant opinion, literally supported by absolutely no reputable source, is that any parent that is helping with any gender affirming anything for a child. Um, is guilty of child abuse. Now, when they put that in the wording, what they tried to make it seem is is like there are children out here getting medical, um, any kind of medical procedures. Um, If you do not know, and you are listening to this program right now, children under the age of 18 are not having surgeries. Children under the uh, age of 18 are not, well, under the age of 16 are not taking hormones. Um, under the age of puberty, when you normally go through puberty, hormones are nor are, are, are can be administered um, so that you have the right hormones to go through puberty instead of going through puberty with the hormones that are not the hormones 
for your gender. So they have hormone blockers, which are safe and reversible um, until that point. Then there, but nobody is, is having surgeries. Nobody, that is not something that is happening. However, Ken Paxson has decided that that's what he was going to say that was happening, told um, Greg Abbott, and Greg Abbott releases this. What was it? Um, was it an executive order? Yeah, I think it was an executive order. Right. So that CPS will, DHS down there, will investigate um, the medical professionals, um, the parents, and it's really scaring the hell out of these families down, down in Texas. And that is the worst. That is some of the worst of it. Now, Texas has, even though they are one of the states that are banning both trans boys and trans girls from intergalactic sport and interscholastic sports. But though, though they're doing that, they are, of course, the one of the worst executive orders out there right now. Um, you were saying, um, I got to tell you, all right, I'm, I don't think you want to know what I honestly think? I don't think that this is so much a war on trans people or trans kids, honestly, as I think it has more to do, the underlying cause is more to do with what you were talking about earlier, which is misogyny and patriarchy. Um, I think that the, in the United States, because we are such a misogynistic, patriarchal society, there is a resentment and a hate for femininity. There just is all the way across the board. And I think that the fact that out of these 33 states and these 20 states that are focusing on anti, uh, on, on, on kids, the fact that only three of them have anything to say about trans guys at all it is very, very telling. Because this isn't about, I don't, because it, I think it's not about, it's not about protecting cisgender girls. It's about punishing what they consider masculine people who have decided to uh, to get rid of what they revere most, which is masculinity. You feel me? So it's like, right? It's like it's like you will be. How dare you? Like this is the utmost. Like we are men. You know what I mean? And so how dare you trade in this gold, basically this platinum, this for something that we have constantly over history um, told you that is is less than that in that is inferior that is weaker that is that is something that we have this weird dichotomy especially in America of propping up at the same time as putting down you know what I mean um oh women 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 are great women are our mothers women are you protect women blah 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 but at the same time you know what I'm saying you pay women less. <laughs> you um, force women to go through medical um, conditions like pregnancy that can lead to things like death. You know what I mean? They don't do it because it's not. It's the, it's it's resented. Femininity in America is hated with a passion, with a passion. That's why it's cool if you're a gay girl, right? If you're a lesbian, especially if you're a masculine lesbian. Go ahead. Right. You, 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 I think that I think that's the point, though, too. That you know what I. Hmm? No, no, go ahead. Oh, sorry. You know we have a little bit of a delay. When, we do. When I was when I was talking about mediocrity earlier, I think that part of the reason I was speaking to mediocrity is your point. 
you know, I think about how much work has been done to keep uh, people of the global majority, uh, people of color, black, indigenous, um, you know, people out of the running to compete with whiteness because they know that if, you know, they allow competition, then their view of themselves um, as supreme um, would be would be shown to be a fallacy and has consistently been shown to be a fallacy, right? And I feel right. like this is, to your point, um, they're seeing that as a competition against masculinity. Yeah. And, you know, this is a challenge, like you said, to masculinity and it's a defection and it is showing them uh, in this space where suddenly it's being the um, status quo of patriarchy is being challenged. And so, of course, there's just like any other move in uh, social uh, equity and equality. Now they have to respond violently with suppression because they can't allow the idea that masculinity is not the leader, the patriarchal, you know, need to be in charge is being challenged and the competition, the idea that they would lose to femininity, uh, that people would, like you said, would choose femininity, but also that you could literally lose a sport in their mind, right? right. To someone who is challenging masculinity is, is the, the very highest stakes because then they have to really wrestle with the fact that actually the patriarchy and masculinity and misogyny are not the top tier of humanity. And that's hard to wrestle with when you have chosen that path and you have, you know, and you have ingested that indoctrination and decided that it's real when it, it, when it isn't. And it's also harmful and it allows for people to attack trans girls as the target of that question rather than, again, addressing within themselves the messages that they have accepted about who they are, um, which is deep work. And a lot of people are just not doing it. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I Well, I agree with you. I agree with you, but I think, I think, I, I don't know. I agree with you, but I think that it's more than, a, I think it's more than being, being, upset or at the gall of the you know of the back of the backlash or or the gall of you to think that you're better or more you can do i really think it's a punishment i and i i can't help but get that out not i can't help but just not get i think it's literally a punishment i think it's the reason why it is so focused towards trans girls i don't i think it is literally not it's it's about the backlash and i see where you're going with that and i agree with that to a certain extent but the, the, the vitriol that these people come at children with, I honestly think it, I think it is a, it almost, how dare you? Like a, how dare you get a, a punishment? Absolutely. Well, if you think you're going to give this up, well, this is what, and when you think about it, it's not just, we can see it in anti-trans bills that are focused on, on trans girls, but it's also think about the, it's like, okay, so masculine lesbians, not really as, as as targeted or 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 focused on as gay men, right? Trans women, sensitivity in men, right? If men show any sensitivity, it's automatically stomped out, right? Showing emotions, crying, playing with dolls, playing. Here's the thing: playing with dolls, 
right? Though the greatest number of you can't boys can't play with dolls, but pediatricians are mostly men, right? Boys can't play with kitchens, but but Michelin star chefs are mostly men. Boys aren't allowed to sew, but some of the greatest designers in fashion are men. Boys can't do see that you can do hair or nails or you can't do hair. You can't do salon because that's feminine, but you can do a barber shop because that's masculine. It's it's not just a it's not just a, 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 a it's literally a resentment and an anger and disgust in America almost towards femininity and anything any masculine person or masculine being or supposed to be masculine masculine being who portrays any kind of femininity is automatically but you know what maybe it is a circle maybe it goes back to we can't allow them to defect we have to stomp this out now so that we don't lose the whole so maybe it is maybe it's both i mean not maybe it sounds now that i'm talking it out and listening to you that maybe it's that it sounds like it's both it is a it is a it really is a resentment and a and a a stomping out of anything feminine, but that is to maintain the control that, like you were talking about, that they are so um, invested in. You know, I think about it, I think that it, I think it is both, but I think that what you're speaking to, in my mind, is like the core, right? Like, I think about um, how I talk to my kids about fat phobia, right? We had this con conversation one time and um <laughs> you know as a mom you, you know as a parent you're just really trying to like interrupt all the messages that your kids get in the world about who they are supposed to be oh god aren't you though um, my kids and i just <laughs> yeah and i just said you know like it's it's not necessarily a bad thing like our bodies change shape throughout our lifetime and that, that fact there are so many factors that um, play into that, like our bodies are not the enemy and it's okay to want to modify your body in lots of different ways, but we do have to think about why. And so if you're thinking to yourself, I would like to change my body. Like for me, I tend to be in more pain if I don't work out, period. Like my body needs to move um, and I have different pain points that I have learned that unfortunately for me, because I honestly don't love working out, um, <laughs> I have to do honestly like, even sit-ups help with like aligning my spine. I was explaining that like, my exercise routine isn't necessarily related to how my body looks. Um, it may be because I have an event coming up and that I'm going to be doing a lot of walking and I want to prepare for that um, or I want to challenge myself and go and do one of these big boot camp races which I will never do just so <laughs> never do that. but let's just say that I did and, um, you know my kids and I were talking about I'm like it's not a we have to think about the why and oh, I think I'm sorry scenario, not scenario in this reality where can you repeat you that? Would? Can you repeat what you were saying about your the last thing you were saying? We have a little delay and we had a little interruption on your on your feed. Oh, oh 
I was just saying that, you know, we don't, what you want from your body is not the problem. You can want things from your body, but we have to think about why. And if the why is because someone has told you that having an extra layer of fat on your body is ugly, bad, wrong, immoral, then that is the concept that we have to start challenging. Um, and I feel like with this conversation, what you're saying is the core, you know, like that is the root of the root is, is perhaps that masculinity, you know, is trying to punish femininity. I think that is totally a thing. And also what I think could be uh, a symptom of that or a tactic of that warfare is punishing and focusing on trans girls and pushing them out among a lot of other things, because we also know there's an organization called Mirror Memoirs. My um, colleagues, a dear friend, um, Amitha Swadeen and um, Jaden, who's for some reason last name, <laughs> they, um, they really taught me that uh, being non-binary or trans is an indicator for experiencing child sexual abuse. And it's not be because those children are doing anything to obviously, uh, you know, deserve abuse or there's no special conditions there outside of the fact that they do not perform gender in the way that our mainstream expects, which then pushes them outside of community, which then makes them more vulnerable to harm and grooming because mm -hmm. they are, again, more vulnerable. They are left uh, outside of the circle of community. And so when I think about things like what uh, the governor, Governor Abbott, uh, the executive order that he released, I think about that. I think about the fact that these children are already more vulnerable and they are finding ways to shift them outside of community, which, again, makes them more vulnerable. And, you know, schools and medical facilities, they, they have always been so. Uh, this is where foster care gets involved. This is where uh, CPS gets involved. This is where drug testing is implemented. Um, these, they can uh, use in a really dangerous way. And so since we already know these spaces are sites of surveillance, there are already children who are not willing to ask for help because they know that the consequences might be worse for them and their family if they ask for help. And when we see an executive order like this, it only exacerbates that problem for the children, again, who are the least safe in our community and makes them more vulnerable and teaches them that their teachers, their doctors, you know, they're the people their social workers are not people they can go to because these people might turn around and call the state in on the family and then the other thing i'll say to that point too is you know they are creating an environment that isn't only going to impact the children right we know it's also going to impact the families and we can't ignore the intersections we can't ignore that CPS um, and the state have already been weaponized against black parents in particular. Black and brown, uh, we absolutely. can't ignore that we are living in a state that is targeting families who are undocumented for deportation. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes. Is constantly happening. Uh, and so it, 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 it not only targets kids, 
it exacerbates all of the problems that we are already struggling with within these settings. Right. And, and, and going back to what you were saying about the youth, we, we actually have done a live on TikTok before and we had a conversation about that, about the fact that the reason that the correlation between sexual abuse and trans kids and homosexual kids it, uh, is not, it doesn't have to do with the kids themselves. It has to do with the fact that like any predator, predators can sense the weakest of the herd. Period. So the more we keep pushing these, like you were saying, pushing these kids outside of these, inside of the protection of our society, they keep, they are pushed outside of the herd. And which, of course, leaves them vulnerable to any predator that happens to be around. And so that is another way that these, these laws are, are, are injuring trans kids. And here's the thing about that. The thing about that is without these laws, all the kids are fine. Like not, you're not going to hurt a cisgender kid by allowing, um, uh, uh, unisex bathrooms. You're not going to hurt a cisgender kid by allowing, um, a trans, a trans girl to play on the softball team. You're not actually, but you are going to affect the lives of these, this small marginalized community, um, irreparably in some instances. Um, you're adding to their extre the extremely high rate of suicide, particularly in trans teens. That is something ridiculous, like 64% for suicide attempts, like that is crazy. If anybody other demographic was committed, was attempting suicide at a 64% rate, we would be, we would consider it a freaking epidemic, a mental health crisis. But we don't when it comes to trans people because we have not only weaponized our laws against our trans kids, but we have divided and, and, and dehumanized trans kids, particularly trans people in general, so that it seems like nobody, um, so it's not important. It's the same thing. And the intersectionality, while we're talking, while we were talking about intersectionality earlier between sexual abuse and, and trans kids, it's intersectionality between um, racism and the responses, uh, how white people respond to racism, racist, uh, racism and arguments about racism, and how people of the black community um, and communities of color, the black community in particular, respond to trans people are like if you laid them side by over, like if you were in a crime scene, if you were in like a, one of those crime shows and you laid one over the other, like DNA matches, it would hit. It would hit almost point for point. The intersectionality between those two is crazy. Like they use the exact same arguments and everything. They just change it from race to trans. Like if you took everything and you took it from um, black and you put trans in front of it, then you could change the arguments exactly. And, and you wouldn't have to change another word. It's amazing to me when I have these conversations because it's weird that people don't see that. And, and can't, and even if you, okay, white people, I don't really expect white people to see it, right? Because white people don't suffer from bigotry and oppression like, like people of color, or they don't. So I don't expect them to see it. But how do you have these arguments that they come out of your mouth when you're a person of color? You've heard these same arguments to you and you don't see the correlation. I don't, that always blows my mind. I'm not even, it's, it's crazy to me.
agree. But, you know, it's funny when we started this conversation, I was thinking about, um, is it Jesse Owens who ran the race uh, that was the runner, the black yes. runner during uh, the, the Olympics? Um, right? The World War One or I'm World War Two Olympics, yes. Yeah, that's the name that keeps coming to my mind because this is this is what has happened in the past, right? Like, this is just a new target right. for this kind of hatred, unfortunately, and not new. That's actually not true either. Like, it's it, obviously not new. It's new in that there are now laws being put into place uh, to restrict their access to spaces in this particular way. Actually, um, the truth but of the matter. That's the name that came to mind because I and I think. Oh, I was just gonna. I, I'm gonna. I, I was just gonna say. Actually, the truth of the matter is, you weren't wrong when you said this is fairly new because trans people have existed for thousands of years, and we have actual proof of that. The the um, the targeting and 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 focusing on trans people making laws against them and things like that that is fairly new that is within the last couple of hundred years so as humanity it is actually very new that that humanity is targeting trans people where they used to revere them but go ahead with what you were saying about jesse owen right right but um yeah i was just thinking about Jesse Owens, I was thinking about Jackie Robinson. I was just thinking about just the, the history of our of sport. Right. In order to be an adult, like that's how long, long it took me to start playing any type of. Um, <laughs> history of sports, um, but of course, as a black person, I am as aware as many of us are that we weren't allowed to play, you know, we were not allowed to play. And so I think about this, like you said, as an, when, you, when you lay it over on top of one another, you, you start to see a lot of the same conversation about who deserves to access the certain spaces and who deserves to have the, because this is, also what it comes down to too right like anybody who has gone to um a school that doesn't have a lot of money like my high school didn't have a lot of money and you know that when you are forcing someone outside of the already limited capacity of a sports uh program they're gonna get less so the girls volleyball team when i was growing up didn't get the same treatment as the boys basketball team. And that's, yeah, I mean, we should really keep it in the same sport, but like- I was just about to say, let's talk about the, the fact- the same treatment as the boys basketball team. I was just gonna say, let's just talk about the fact that there is no boys volleyball team. Now there is a boys, there is there is volleyball in, um, in, uh, in college, in collegiate sports. There is volleyball, there are professional volleyball, there is volleyball in the Olympics, there are volleyball in the national games, but there's no volleyball on, in almost any high, or most high schools in America. Why? Why is that? Is it a feminine sport? I, Maybe boys it, shouldn't play, is that? <laughs> I have no, that's why I'm asking because that's what I did, that's why I just pointed out that there is from, if you go from Beyond high school, there is men's volleyball all the way up the chain, clear to professional. But there's no volleyball whatsoever from 
pre-K or from when they start like city sports through high school in almost any high school you go to. Yeah. How weird is that? I have no idea. <laughs> it's just weird in America it when we break weird, down to penises thing, and vaginas. Though, I think <laughs> it reminds me of how um, Reverend Bart is it Barker who says that a budget is a moral statement. Yeah. Um, and you know, when I think about the pushing out of children, I think about that, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we were, it's not right to do this period. Like it's not, these, these laws are, uh, against the human rights of children, uh, trans children. Like to sometimes think it through, how would they actually like police this? Right. And how would they actually still be able to uh, implement Title IX, right? The landmark case that's supposed to protect uh, people from gender-based discrimination and violence on campus. Um, so are they creating a whole different sports league uh, for trans kids? Um, and if so, who is funding that? Because y'all can barely fund our schools at all. Right, and that's a good question because what was it? Um, and, so, and then, you know, and then Go ahead. Oh, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, wasn't it like five years ago that, because wasn't that up in the air for a while, whether Title IX actually protected trans people and they were saying that it didn't. And then it went to the Supreme Court and wasn't it like five years ago, the Supreme Court did find that Title IX could cover trans people, but it took it like, wow. We live in a society where to decide that you have to, like, Louis, I, I know that everybody talks about, well, this and this is a landmark case and this is a landmark case, but I guess my dishearten my my disappointment and my total disheartenment comes in the fact that we live in a society where you have to go to a supreme court to prove that you should have basic rights as a human like doesn't that suck like it makes me sad Hello, you know what i mean i mean i think it is sad and i think sometimes you know we we forget how sad it is. <laughs> we're in it, right? And we're fighting it. And we forget how sad it is. And it's not even that we forget, but I was thinking about this this week too. Like there, there have been challenges in my life recently where I just don't feel like I have what I need in order to fully heal and grieve, mm. right? And because I, I don't have time to like sit and actually like cry about the impact on our children um, or cry about what it says about humanity. <laughs> right. <laughs> we are actively driving many, many things on, on so many different fronts. And it is that it is, it is, you know, it's one of those things too, where children are, there is this language and propaganda in our country about how much we value children, the children are the future, children first, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we don't treat children like that. We right. don't, we actually don't prioritize children in this country at all. And I think that it's also another moment where you're recognizing that actually adults don't actually give a shit about children. 
that they are more interested in perpetuating their own view of themselves and protecting systemic oppression that makes them feel comfortable right. than actually turning to young people and giving them what they need to be well, um, which then only perpetuates the trauma in our, in our communities. Um, so it is sad and it is heartbreaking. And, you know, I hope, um, you know, when I think about my own daughter and I think about my own children and the challenges that we've faced, one of the things that I often say to, I mean, really anyone, but I, I never have in ever since my children were very teeny tiny, like in my body, I've never prayed for safety because I don't believe safety is real. I think it's, it's something we want. It's something we sometimes feel, but none of us are ever, ever truly safe. Um, as someone who's a survivor and as someone who's worked with a lot of survivors, I think that if we start to decide that some things are safe, then we are setting ourselves up for, for right. disaster. I can understand um, that. But what I've always, what I've, huh? I understand. I was going to, I was just agreeing with you. I can understand. Like, yes, I feel what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. And so I've always prayed that, and I've, I've always prayed this and I've always said this to my children, that no matter where you go, no matter what happens to you and no matter what you do, that I will always love you and I will always be here and I will always protect you. And to, in my, you know, to the best of my ability, that is my commitment as a, as a parent, as a mother to these children. Um, but it is devastating. And I think, you know, I think about parents who are in Texas, I think about parents of trans kids, and it really makes me want to like wrap them all up, you know, and, and give them a hug and validate the fact that this is very scary. This is a this is a terrifying time um, that we are experiencing risk or our children are at risk um, and that the only solution um, to this, not the only solution, but a solution to to turn to one another and um you know and say those things yeah it's just i just can't imagine being a kid and because you know there was a lot of shit going on with me when i was a kid yeah i just feel like one of the things that that this really inspires in me is just wanting to wrap up families in my arms and you know, turn towards one another to grieve, but also for a sense of solidarity. I always remind my children that I don't tell them stories about their ancestors because I want them to, like, you know, soak up all that generational trauma. Right. <laughs> I, you know, I tell them about their ancestors because for me, deep down, like, in my DNA, like, my, I always imagine that, like, my spine is made up with fortitude, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I was built to last. I was built to exist. I was built to resist. And I I also, you know, feel like there's space for rest there, too, that my ancestors are like, but we don't always have to be fighting. We do deserve time to heal. We do deserve time to celebrate the fact that we are still here. And, you know, I tell my children that often, where I'm just like, this is this is terrible. What we are experiencing is terrible, 
and also know that you come from a long history of people who have lived through so much terror and fear and still write the best music and invent the, the most amazing inventions that are full of genius and, and they know how to heal one another and how to prepare the most delicious food. Like, we're an amazing people and trans people are amazing people. Right. And so what I really don't want to get lost in all of this fight um, is just how much gorgeousness exists there and how, you know, our children also deserve to be sort of insulated in that too, you know, as much as we can. Right. And I wanted to point out while we're on the subject of, um, making trans people real people. I would like to point out that there are more trans people there in the world than there are redheads. That's very important because mm. people keep acting like trans and being trans is something that is very rare and it is, but it's it's less rare than being a redheaded person. It's less yeah. rare than that. Um, it's less rare than, I think it's, a little less rare, or a little more, not very much, uh, marginally, than being left-handed. Um, <laughs> like, for real, it's, it's all of these things, and then there's, all, because there's all this negative connotations and all this negative narrative going on around trans people, so it's important to try to replace some of that. Um, false information and negative narratives, um, like the fact that trans, for some reason, in trans in almost every word is something that we aspire to except for trans people trans people for some reason but think of what the word trans means trans the the prefix trans literally means to go beyond to transcend to you know what i mean like think think about the words that use trans these are not these are always um transcension um um, trans, translucent, trans, beyond light, like all of these things mean to go beyond. It's something that is um, a next step. To be honest, um, I have an opinion. Yeah, I think that that's what people are so afraid of. I think right? so too. Like, it, it's and it's really it's very sad. Um, is that we've concentrated you know, I, on penises and vaginas for so long, people don't know what to do without it. Like, think about how weird it is that you have your gender on a job application. You have gender if right. you go to fill out um, something for public assistance. Why do why does somebody, to figure out whether I need food or medical care, why do they need to know whether I have a penis or a vagina? To hire me for a job, why do they need to know whether I have a penis or vagina? To sign my child up for school, why do they need to know whether they have a penis or a vagina? Why are these things there? Why? Because it's a thing that we do to protect the patriarchy. That is what it's for. That is what it's always been for. And because we have to know the level of respect with which to treat you. We have to know whether it's something, Mm -hmm. right? So we, so we put these markers on here so you can put yourself in a category for us so we can know where you fit. Like we can take the ideas of society and put them on you as a person based on the information you've given us. 
whether you are a man or a woman, whether you are black or white, whether, you know, or whether you are, whether you have a, you were born in the United States. It's another question that is on almost everything. Are you a citizen of the United States? Why? What in the hell does that have to do with anything? I'm here. Well, and also going back to what you were saying about the word trans and transcendent and, you know, moving past, you know, I, I have questions about how we have people who are so invested. These are like the same people who are like, I don't see color. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, God, don't you love those you know, it's people? Like the same, <laughs> these are the same people. And I'm just like, wow, like what? What would happen if you decided that your gender didn't make you do certain things? Like, and why is that so scary? Like, to me, I think about it, and, and of course, you know, I am a cis woman, and so the way that gender has shown up in my life um, as a cis uh, woman who is black but with biracial, you know, my mother's white, my dad's black. Um, obviously my gender is going to show up um, in different ways, the way it's impacted me. But I just think about how there have been so many things that I have not been allowed to even consider um, as a part of my growing up time because of my gender. Because of you, you know, because, because of what, because I have a, because I have a vagina. There you go. Um, Say it out loud. Make it. And, and that's like, wait. You know, my mother, God bless my mom, and I, you know, and I have to honestly say that I don't think that this is probably the path I should have been on, but my father, both my dad and uh, my biological father and my uncle um, is, uh, they're boxers. My, my dad was a boxer for a brief time in the military. I have an uncle who um, is a big deal boxer in uh, Houston. And when I was a teenager, I was like, Mom, I could totally see myself boxing. Right. She was like, not my daughter. Right. Not my daughter. Um, she was like, no baby of mine with that pretty face is going to be getting... Now, of course, I grew up to play roller derby, you know, but no one was <laughs> nice. touching me in the face, I guess. But my dad was very excited about that, I have to say. My, my dad was like... He went through the whole career of having boys playing football. He was very excited about his daughter playing roller derby. I bet you But again, was. these are things... Yeah, he was, he was amped up, but um, there are so many things that my life could have been about that I would have attempted or tried differently, uh, I think, if I were able to view myself as a human who just had interests and who just liked things uh, or, you know, wanted to learn certain things and not defined by I, my femininity says that I can or cannot participate and then you added religion on top of all that or even if you would have had supporting parents like for instance my daughter um we do we did gender free like like don't get me wrong like her baby stuff was like brown and pink but that was because i liked brown and pink it would have been brown and pink if she was a boy or not at the time of my life brown and pink together i like the colors of neapolitan ice cream so all that together worked for me i like i like the color scheme right but my youngest one but when she was growing up the thing we were very adamant in is there are no such things because she oh that's a boy toy well well she wouldn't right but when of course when she started getting out to school and everything oh that's a boy toy oh that's a, i said well it can't be a boy toy because it's boy, toys don't have genders right toys don't have um penises and vaginas 
Um, so, but that would make it a boy toy, but not a boy's toy, you know? And so we would talk about that and we would talk about clothing and things like that. But again, it's time because we have to change the narrative. We have to change the narrative so that we're not bringing the next generation into, um, well, this is for girls and this is for boys. Because of also because of that, I had a daughter. My I had two sons that played football. I had a daughter that played football. She didn't play football. She she my other daughter didn't play football because she wasn't into football. But if she had wanted to, she would have. Now my youngest daughter, of course, now will not play football. But it has nothing to do with her being having a vagina. It has to do with head injury and what I've learned about CTE. So I would never put her in a yeah. position to play football personally. That's my personal decision. She can play flag all day, but ta actual tackle football, I won't ever put another child of mine in tackle football. But um, that it had nothing to do, but she grew up, my kids basically grew up in a, it wasn't a gendered world. Like it didn't mean, and all of my children are cisgendered. I don't have any trans kids. Um, all of my children are cisgendered and my youngest is eight and by now, you know, trans kids learn their, discover their gender at the same time. Cis kids discover their gender between three and five. So we would know, you know, at, at this point. But okay. so all of my kids are cisgender, but they didn't grow up in a gender world. That has a lot to do with my own upbringing. And it has a lot to do with different things. But mainly it has to do with the fact that if we're going to, if this is going to be something that we're going to phase out, then we need to start with this generation, which is why I think bringing it back the attack on trans kids now because if we are going to it has to be a new generation where this is not something that they have so when they grow up this is not something they're used to doing so they have the freedom to break out of this you know but um so if we can attack them now while they're kids then we can put the fear of the society in them and stop them from doing anything else you know when you were talking you were talking about what we do to kids and we do and we they're supposed to be like the future but we don't treat them like that but that's because we were you know how we treat our kids we treat our kids like they're goldfish right yeah, um, like their property. It's not even like the property, but you know how goldfish are, right? You know goldfish, if you put them in a bowl, then they're goldfish, right? But if you put them in a freaking pond, then they're koi. And those things can grow up to like five feet tall, like five feet long, right? They're huge. Right, yeah. 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 And that's what we do with kids. And, and, and that's what our society does with kids. We make sure that all our kids stay in these tiny little goldfish bowls so that they never actually reach the full potential of being a koi fish, right? So if we can keep them in these little tiny cages then they can never grow to their full potential we can keep them exactly what we need them for in our society so that our society can chug along like it always has under the same white supremacist patriarchal misogyny and if we can keep everybody in those little tiny bowls then we can never we can never expand as a society that would take us beyond what we the, the issues and the problems we're having now well, you know, I just, I feel like one of the things that, you know, as a mother who has a trans daughter, I remember when we started, like, thinking about clothing. Right. And, you know, it was during, you know, it's still during COVID, um, where the bulk of this was happening. So, in some ways, we were insulated, right? Like, I ordered Stitch Fix and brought clothes in, rather than going out to the store and shopping. Um, you know, we explored, I bought fashion magazines, you know, and just thought, you know, and wanted to show her, like, all the ways 
right? All the ways um, that people show up in the world, mm-hmm. not just like how women show up in the world, mm-hmm. but just like, what, what do you want? How do you see yourself in the future? How are you but as a person? A what do you feel like? I have a very cisgender heterosexual right. daughter who doesn't wear anything but sweats and big shirts because for her, that's just her. That's her comfort level. It has nothing to do with her sexuality or her gender identity. It's just who she is as a human being. Right. But, you know, along that journey, there was a moment where I had to, you know, I had to acknowledge and say to her, like, listen, I am, you know, I, without making light of it, but I'm like, I'm a cis lady with cis lady opinion. And I'm doing my my best to learn you and Mm -hmm. learn what it is to understand the things that you're feeling and you're experiencing on your very individual journey of what your gender and identity and expression is going to be in the world. But I have to say that I am noticing that when I show you something that I think you might be interested in, it's super femme, right? Because in my mind, you are a trans girl. And girl, still in my mind, fashion-wise and otherwise, means super it, it means something. <laughs> right. Yeah, it means something. And I was like, listen, you and me, we don't have to play that game. Like, you don't have to be a girl just because I, I have some idea that whether I'm being explicit about it or not, of what that looks like. Like, right. we're going to throw that whole thing away. That's my bad. I've noticed it. And let's, like, let's just, yeah, let's throw that away. And so, you know, and what we came to is how she presents now. And that very well may change because we all change our fashion and the way that we look throughout our life. Right. <laughs> but there was definitely a moment where I was like, oh, shit, am I doing gender right now? Yes. I think I'm doing gender right now. You know? <laughs> with my trans kid. <laughs> yeah, with my trans kid. Because she said she was a trans girl. And all of a sudden now I'm like, oh, a girl. I know girl. Right. I know what girl is. You know? And I was like, oh, wait. And I'm glad that you brought that up, actually, because, again, we go into trans people being thought of also as a monolith, which is that trans people are somehow either there are trans people who are very, very much at either ends of the spectrum. Like very, 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 very feminine, very, 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 very masculine. But like every other person, there are trans people that are trans men that like that still like to um, present as feminine if within in, with their femininity. That doesn't mean they're not trans men. There are trans women that still choose more masculine clothing or or what we have deemed as more masculine clothes. Like there's no, just like there is no set spec, there is no set point for cisgender people and how they dress or act or the jobs they have or their interests. Right. There is the same for trans people and people attempt to, like I, one of the things that you hear a lot with trans people is when trans people are gay, that's always a problem. Because people don't seem to understand, well, if you're attracted to men, then why, if you're a trans man and you're attracted to men, then why didn't you, quote unquote, and this is my favorite, stay a woman. It's important while we're changing the narrative to understand that trans people are exactly that, trans. They've always been trans. They've been trans since beginning. They identify with what in society is closer to what they are, what they deem, but just like cis kids, 
they know their gender very, very early on, it's already there. It's all right. So nobody became anything. What what and and people like to say like medical transitions and when did you transition and and these words that we that we as a society use when it comes to trans people. But the truth of the matter is the transition happens. It's the society transitioning to see that person who they've always known they are, not the other way around. Like it's the society's transition, not them. They always have known since babyhood, basically toddler, that who the heck they are. But society spent years trying to to convince them otherwise, and then then now they're telling society, no, I was right all along. So now y'all have to change how you see me. Yeah, I and also what you know, I think about this too, like. How about we just commit to learning one another? Oh, that'd right? be nice. Just being like, you know, like I, it, it's wild to me that people will look at a trans person, or really look at anybody, and have that person identify their experience. Say, this is something that I've experienced. This is how I'm choosing to move because of that experience. Here it is. And people are like, no, you're not. No, <laughs> you're wrong. Like, you're wrong. <laughs> like, we're right. You're wrong about your life. <laughs> and I'm just like, why? Why can't we just commit to the idea uh, that maybe we don't know what it's like to be in somebody else's body, um, and that when people make choices based on their own lived experience, and when they're literally saying to you, "No, I actually want to die right now right. because I can't be this person." It's not like, oh, I can't I, you be know, who you think I am is really what they're saying. I can't be who you think I am. I have to be me. I can't be who you think I am. And society keeps telling right. them, nope, this is who you are. Trust us. We know you better than which yeah, goes back me. to. Right. Right. We need, we need you to we need you to present in this particular way. Uh, for reasons we don't completely understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mostly arbitrary. Um, but and we know that it's causing you pain because it makes us feel comfortable, right? We know that you literally are dying. But if you could just set that to the side and and, and let us tell you who you are, it'll just be better for all of us. And that that is wild to me. Like it and the amount of uh, self centeredness in it, and the amount of you know, audacity in it to, to behave that way is, is really so disappointing. It's not even the right word. It's just like, how do people exist in, in this way where they can completely dismiss so much pain? You know, so much pain and so much striving. Because the thing that also makes me sad is like, it's not for trying. Like, if people think that trans people haven't tried to exist in the way that our, our culture has tried to force them into the gender binary, they're fooling themselves. Like, <laughs> this is not this is not a game. You know, this is not for funsies. This is because this is who they are. And it's actually our responsibility to create a pathway for children to be able to grow up in their fullness so that they can live a life that doesn't have to exist wrapped around multiple traumas. That is inflicted not only by our, you know, our culture, but also their own damn family. Yeah. You know what, Tejmiga, that is absolutely a brilliant point, And I think it's a wonderful place to actually stop. Um, 
to, to give the listeners something to think about and to talk about. And I absolutely agree with you. And, and to end this, I would like to go back to what you said at the very beginning of the show, which is when we're talking about disabilities and we are and, and we're talking about making places accessible for people with disabilities. When we make them accessible for people with disabilities, we make them accessible for everyone. And, and if we can just keep that mantra when we're talking about children, when we make sure that our children, which is what we were saying, we make sure all of our children are feel safe and loved and cared for, then all of our children, when we make sure the least of them feel, the most marginalized feel loved and taken care of and safe, then all of our children will feel loved, taken care of and safe. And then we will, they really will be a better future for all of us. So um, thank you very much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. Again, Teshmika Turak is uh, the friend that is joining us for today um, to learn more about uh, her foundation. She is the uh, founding co-director of the Firecracker Foundation. To learn more about her foundation, please visit their Facebook page, uh, Firecracker Foundation, uh, to learn more about how she is a um, activist for restorative healing for children of sexual abuse. Thank you so much, and uh, we will see you next time. And remember, in all of the conversations, hard or not, that we are all friends here. Love you. See you next time.